we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Accumulation is the centre, the me, the ego, and to learn about it, one must be free of accumulation. Hello and welcome to episode 140 of Urgency of Change. Season 3 of the Krishnamurti podcast continues with the format of carefully chosen extracts from the philosopher's talks. Each weekly episode focuses on a theme explored by Krishnamurti, and the aim is to represent his different approaches to these universal topics. This week's theme is accumulation. Upcoming themes are ideas, help and attachment. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust, based at Brockwood Park in the UK, which is also home to the Krishnamurti Retreat Centre. Situated in the beautiful countryside of the South Downs National Park, the Krishnamurti Centre offers quiet retreats for those wishing to inquire into themselves in light of Krishnamurti's teachings. Please visit krishnamurticentre.org.uk for more information. You can also find daily Krishnamurti quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review or rating on your podcast app, which helps its visibility. This week's episode on accumulation has three sections. The first extract is from Krishnamurti's third talk in Madras, 1971, titled Learning is a Constant Movement with No Accumulation. It is important to understand oneself, not what others say about yourself, the psychologists, the analysts, the religious teachers and the religious books, because if you follow what they say, what you are, If you follow others, what they say you are, you are not discovering yourself, you are discovering what others say. Right? Is that simple and clear? That is, if I followed a psychologist or a philosopher or an analytical, intellectual person or one of the ancient teachers, however ancient, respected, all the rest of it, you are merely following what they are telling you about yourself. 
Therefore, you have to deny all that. But then you begin to find out what you are. And meditation is part of this. Because without knowing yourself, not only superficially, but at the very depths of one's being, you have no basis for any action. You have no foundation whatsoever on which you can build, the mind can build a house that is stable, orderly. So it is absolutely necessary if you would really take this extraordinary journey and that's what we're going to do, journey together into this enormous, complex problem of understanding oneself. And please see the absolute essential necessity of it, that nobody can teach you about yourself except yourself. So you have to be the guru, the disciple yourself, the teacher yourself and learn from yourself. What you learn from another is not true. So you have to find out for yourself what you are, and to learn how to observe yourself. You know, it's one of the most arduous tasks to go into this. It's like taking a journey together. You know, when you walk together you must be friends, you must love walking together, you must love. And that is one of the most difficult things, and we're going to find out, to learn about oneself is not to accumulate knowledge about oneself. Please follow this. I want to learn about myself, so I have to observe myself. If I learn about myself, through the accumulation of knowledge, I do not learn about myself. Right?
Look, I want to learn about myself. There are two ways of learning. To learn in order to accumulate knowledge, and from knowledge observe. Observe through the screen of the past. I learn about myself, observe myself, having experiences and accumulating knowledge from those experiences, and looking at myself through those experiences. That is, looking at myself through the past, for knowledge is the past, right? That's one way of looking at oneself. The other is to observe and watch the movement of all the thought, of all the motives, and never accumulate. Therefore, learning is a constant process. I see I, it needs further explanation. Let's go into it. I see myself being violent. And I have condemned it or justified it. And I have learned from it that there should be no violence. I've learned from it. And the next time I have I observe myself being violent, I respond according to my knowledge of what I have learned. Right? You see this? And therefore there is no fresh observation. I am looking at the new experience of violence with old eyes, with previous knowledge. Therefore, I am not learning. Learning implies a constant movement, not from the past, from movement from moment to moment so that there is no accumulation. Because we are the result of thousands of accumulations. We are accumulating. And if you would understand that accumulation, you have to learn about it and not further accumulate. Right? You see this? So there must be an observation which is a constant learning without accumulation. Accumulation is the center, is the me, the ego.
and to learn about it, one must be free of accumulation and not accumulate at another level in a different direction. You understand all this? So there, so there must be learning about oneself by watching, not condemning, not justifying, but just watching the way you talk, the way you walk, the words you use, the motives, the purposes, the intention to be totally aware without any choice. And awareness is not a matter of accumulation, learning. Be aware from moment to moment. When you are not aware, don't bother. Begin again, so that your mind is always free. There is, therefore, the learning about oneself is not only at the conscious level, superficial level, but also at the deeper levels, the so-called, the unconscious, the hidden. How are you going to learn about something that is very deeply rooted, hidden, not open. Right? We are. Our whole consciousness is superficial and hidden. And one has to learn the content of all that consciousness. Because the content make up the con- consciousness, right? The two are not separate. The content is consciousness. Therefore, to understand the content, one, there must be an observation without the observer. Right? I don't know if you understand this. We'll go along. You know, this is one of the most fascinating things in life, to find out how to look anew at life. The second extract is from the fifth talk in Sanan, 1982, titled The Accumulating Brain is Mechanical. Is there anything to learn except technological, learning a language, learning how to fly or write a letter, learning fairly necessary things in life that is necessary. How to read a book, how to drive a car, how to be a very good carpenter. You learn. 
accumulate. And then you use that knowledge to act skillfully. That's one that is what most of us do when we use the word learning. Accumulating a lot of information and knowledge stored in the brain and from the brain, which the brain directs and acts. That is generally what is understood by what we mean by learning. External learning about the atmosphere, about various things. The peripheral learning. Now, is there any other form of learning? Is there a learning which is psychologically accumulated by various incidents and experiences and stored up psychologically, which then, in our relationship, in our daily life, will that knowledge help or bring about clarity? You understand? Most of us, as you are doing now, perhaps, and I hope you are not, you are listening and learning in the ordinary sense of that word what is being said, accumulating it, and then saying, Yes, I have understood it. First, the listening. Then, observing the fact or the falseness of what is being said and clinging to something that you feel to be real and holding on to that. And from there, act, accumulate more and more and more. Again, the same phenomenon as one does outwardly when learning a language and so on. This is the whole process of learning. We are asking a question, you and I, is that is there a different way of observing without accumulating? Because the moment when one accumulates and acts from there, it becomes mechanical. Our brain has become mechanical, but when the brain is free of the mechanical process of thought, of reactions, then it has immense capacity infinite capacity. 
look what human beings have done in the technological world, in the world of computers, in the world of warfare, in the, in the world of communication and so on. Within the last perhaps 100, 100 years, tremendous advancement, technologically. So the brain is a capable of extraordinary things. The scientists are saying so. Perhaps then you will accept it. That is not being said sarcastically. Now when we learn, as it is commonly understood, the learning, accumulating knowledge, that very accumulation process becomes automatic, <coughs> mechanical. So we are asking a question together whether this mechanical process will ever free the mind so that the brain, so that it's, it has immense, unlimited State. You understand my question? I hope this question is somewhat clear. Our brain is not yours or mine. That's obvious. Because how can your so called personal brain evolve? It is the evolution of time, evolution means time, through millennia upon millennia, and this process of evolution has conditioned the brain to certain rewards and punishments, to certain reactions, and so it has made itself limited. And in this limitation, it's accumulating knowledge. And functioning from that knowledge, therefore it makes itself more and more mechanical. Is this It's so obvious, isn't it? It's not something exotic or irrational, but it's also, when one observes oneself rather deeply and very, in a sense, aware of what is happening outside and inward, one can see the brain, how it has been conditioned. And, and that very knowledge which has accumulated is becoming its own instrument of limitation. Right? I hope you are meeting this. Are we aware of this? Are we aware that our brains are first of all limited, conditioned, nationalism and so on, conditioned, and we are acting from that conditioning, learning from that conditioning, therefore increasing the conditioning more and more and more. Right? Are we aware of this? Know it. 
perceive it, not accept that our brains are limited and repeat that they are limited. Whereas if one is aware of this condition, then one can ask a different question altogether, which is, is there any form of psychological learning at all? You understand my question? Are we together in this or are we just... What is there to learn about oneself? Learn in the ordinary sense of that word. What is there when I observe myself, my the conditioning, the re- responses of that conditioning, the reactions to various pressures, influences, strains? And seeing this constant pressure externally and inwardly, the strain of it, which becomes more and more introducing greater factor of conflict, right? And is it possible to be aware of this, to observe this? as it is, and find out for oneself whether it's possible to go beyond it. Not to learn what is beyond, because then it is just a quid pro quo, right? It's really important, please, because we're going to something presently which requires your real inquiry. So we are saying, learning must be there, obviously. Learning about the external world, totally, as much as one can learn, because learning is never complete about the external world. There's always something being added or taken away. But can one learn or observe oneself never recording what is observed, otherwise the recording becomes the knowledge and you are back again. You have understood this? Please, we are talking all together. It's not I am, the speaker is laying down any dogma, any belief, any statement. We are inquiring together that humanity has accumulated a tremendous lot of information, knowledge, which is necessary, externally, with all its pitfalls, with all its dangers, with all its limitations. 
And is there anything to learn about oneself? Or there is only the act of observation, not learning. Uh, we must differentiate between the two observation and accumulation as learning. To observe the condition, to observe the reactions, the reactions with their responses as reward, punishment, good and bad, the more, just to observe. And that observation implies holding that which is observed without any movement of thought. Is this... Are we, am, are we together in this or not? Observe, one observes that one is afraid, there is fear, conscious or unconscious, deep down. The immediate response is to go beyond it, to be free of it, to suppress it, to escape from it. That is the our natural our conditioning. Right? Now to observe be aware that of fear and not rationalize it, not give an explanation, not dis- try to discover the cause of it, just to observe it. Right? Are you doing it as we are talking? You observe that you are greedy, envious. Envy is not only at the social level, but much deeper. Envy implies the more The more is measurement. The more, the better, and so on. It is a form of measurement. Now, can you observe envy, which is the, which has a cause in measurement, in comparison, in, medit- in imitation, in conformity, in pursuing an ideal, which are all measurements, which are all comparison. Now, to observe envy without any accumulated responses to it. I wonder if you are we doing it? 
It's not, please don't make it difficult. It's really simple. I'm envious, because I'm I see that you have brains, that I see you you are capable, I see you have got extraordinary capacity, which I haven't got. And I compare myself with you. That very comparison is the cause of envy. Right? The more. Now, to be aware of this process and just not move away from my envy, from the envy which has, as a reaction arose in my state, right? Can you? So hold it as a vessel holds the water, hold it. And are we, are we to communicate? So perhaps some of us are not used to this kind of inquiry. Some of us perhaps come out of curiosity here, or to see some the chap what he's talking about. Why is against or for, and all the thing that goes on in one's mind, the chattering mind. If one can, for an hour, give one's attention, maybe sporadic, but give your attention to understand a very complex problem. And the complex problem is what we have learned and accumulate all the time is making the brain mechanic. So knowledge is becoming mechanic, making the mind mechanic. You I learn how to be a carpenter, be a apprentice to master carpenter, and I learn. I've accumulated a great deal of knowledge about the, in, the instruments of carpentry, the wood and so on. And from there I, I, I become a carpenter. That becomes more and more mechanic. If I am a specialist in a certain direction, it's the same thing. So we are asking a very serious question, which is, is knowledge making us psychological knowledge, not the outward knowledge? Is the psychological knowledge making us more and more mechanical? Therefore, more and more limiting the capacity of the brain. The brain has an extraordinary capacity, infinite capacity, but we have reduced it to a very small affair, right? So can one observe this fact? That psychologically we have been told what we are by the 
specialists, and according to them we try to understand ourselves. According to them we conform, but we never investigate apart from the psychologists. That means inquiring, not knowing, moving. Right? Is this? So, there is a hearing, a different action of learning through observation. That learning is not accumulation. The water flowing is ever accumulating, moving, moving. And if this, when there is this total process of listening, never accumulating from any experience, never recording that which has happened, and this can only take place when you are observing very, very closely, so that the brain which has become more and more conditioned, more and more mechanically limited, can break down this limitation. The final extract in this episode is from Krishnamurti's fifth talk in Madras, 1966, titled Accumulation leads to inertia. Energy is force. And very few of us have the energy to bring about a radical transformation in ourselves. The force, the energy, the drive, the passion, the deep intention. Very few of us have it. And to gather that energy, to have that energy, in which is included this tremendous intensity, passion, drive, force, we think certain forms of habits are necessary, certain establishment of of a behaviour, morality, a certain resistance to sensation, with which we are all quite familiar. And because we have lived for so long, for so many generations and so many thousand years, we haven't found the energy which will transform our ways of life, our ways of thinking, feeling. 
And I would, if I may, like to go into this question, because it seems to me that is what we need, a different kind of energy, a passion which is not mere stimulation, which doesn't depend, which is not put together by thought. And to come upon this energy, we have to understand inertia, not how to come by this energy, but the inertia that is so latent in all of us. I mean by inertia, without the power inherent to act. Inherent in itself. There is, as one observes within oneself, a whole area of deep inertia. I don't mean indolence, laziness, which is quite a different thing, because you can be physically lazy, but you may not be inert. You may be tired, lazy, unwilling, that's entirely different. You can whip yourself into action, force yourself not to be lazy, not to be indolent. You can discipline yourself to get up early, to do certain things regularly, follow certain practices, and so on. But that's not what we are talking about. That can be easily dealt with and understood, which we can come back to a little later, if time allows and if I remember it. <coughs> what, we are, I'm, what we are concerned is this inertia, which is so inherent in all of us, which very few of us come upon and do actually something about it. We know what to do about laziness, we know what to do about a mind that is dull, we can sharpen it, polish it, read it, discuss. But that's not what we're talking about. We, are, we want to go into this question of inertia 
which is without power to act, which is so inherent in all of us, deep down. This inertia is essentially the result of time. This inertia is the result of accumulation. And what is accumulated is time. I need not only time to gather information, knowledge, experience, and also I need time to act according to that experience, knowledge, information. So there is this accumulative process going on, of which most of us are little conscious, both in the unconscious as well as in the conscious, this accumulative process going on all the time as you are listening to Me. You are gathering, you are, you are accepting, accumulating. That very accumulation is going to result in inertia. You watch it, you will see it if you examine it a little bit closely. I learn a technique. It takes time by the watch, by the day, by the year. And I have stored it up. And according to that knowledge technique, I function. But also, at a deeper level, this accumulative process going on. as knowledge, as tradition, as my own ex- the experience or what I have read and so on, so on, so on. There is also that accumulative process going on of which I am not conscious at all. Please don't merely if I may request you, listen to the words, but actually go through what is being said. Actually open the door so that you you see this process going on. If you are a Hindu, you have gathered tremendous knowledge about God, about this, about that. You have accepted it. You have accepted it for various reasons which are fairly obvious – fear, conformity, 
opin- public opinion and so on and so on. You've accepted it. It is there. Both in the conscious as well as, as well as in the unconscious. Not that there is a division between the two. It's a total movement. This accumulation is inertia. And this inertia is time. To accumulate you must have time, otherwise you can't get it. Please don't say, how am I to not to accumulate? When you say, how am I not to accumulate, you are again accumulating negatively. Please, it needs very careful, subtle thinking this out, going into it. This inertia, without power of inherent action, inherent action, not acting from what you have accumulated as knowledge, idea, tendency, temperament, or capacity, or a gift, a talent, essentially a gift, a talent, knowledge, is inertia. And we strengthen this inertia by, through resistance, various forms of resistance. I resist any form of change, both outwardly and inwardly. I resist again through fear of insecurity and so on, so on, which we don't have to go into. One knows those fairly well. So there is inertia through accumulation, through resistance, and through commitment to a particular course of action. Please follow this bit. Inertia which is the lack of in here of the power to act in itself is 
also the result of having motives. Right? That's very simple. So, this inertia is built, put together through motives, through accumulation, as knowledge, information, tradition, outwardly as inwardly, and technology, and also through commitments to a series of actions. If you are a communist, a socialist, a particular type who meditates in a certain way, you are committed. And therefore that commitment strengthens the inertia. Though you may be terribly active outside, walk up and down the land or pursue every um, reform and do all kinds of things, it is still an activity which is strengthening inertia. And inertia is built through resistances. I like, I don't like. I like you, I don't like you. This pleases me, this doesn't please me. So there is this inertia through inertia built up through conformity, through activity and so on. You see this happening in yourself. I am not saying something uh, fantastic. This is what is going on in all of us, all the time. So, we enlarge that field of inertia through various forms of knowledge, commitments, activities, motives, resistances. And Becoming conscious of this, you say, I must not. I will not commit myself to any action, or I will try not to have motives, or I will try not to resist. Please follow. The moment you say, I will not, or I should, you are only strengthening the inertia. That's fairly clear, that's obvious. The positive process is the strengthening of the inertia and the negative process also. So, realizing this fact, that all our life, all our activity, our thinking strengthens this inertia. Please follow this. 
It is not you are not accepting a theory, you are not disputing an idea with your own opinion. This is a fact, a psychological fact which you can observe if you look at yourself very deeply. If you cannot look, don't agree or disagree, but examine. So what is one to do? How is this inertia to be broken up? First, I must be conscious of it. I can't say, I am inert. It means nothing. You will translate it in terms of laziness or insufficient physical activity or mental pursuits, simulations. And that is not what we are talking about. We are talking at a, of something at a much deeper level, which is the whole of consciousness is inert. Because the whole of consciousness is based on imitation, conformity, acceptance and rejection, tradition, gathering and acting from that gathering, as knowledge or as technique or as experience. Ten thousand years of propaganda is, is consciousness. So how is a mind who realises this extraordinary state, what is it to do? I'm sorry, those crows are a bit noisy. They must have their evening too. So. What is a mind to do which, is, which has become aware of this inertia? <coughs> Knowing, not verbally but actually, that the whole of consciousness <coughs> is essentially inert. It can act within the field of its own projection, of its own concepts, of its own knowledge, of its own information, of its own tradition, of its own experiences, which has been gathered. So the gathering, which is consciousness, is inherently inert, right? Please, you are not accepting what is being said. If you look at it very deeply, you will see that it is so. You may invent, think out that there is a, a state of mind which is beyond inert God, whatever energy and call it, but is still part of that consciousness. 
So what is one to do? Can one do anything at all? Now, to find out what to do and what not to do is meditation. I am going to go into that. First of all, that word is so heavily loaded, especially in the East, I mean, especially in this country and East of this country, that that word brings all kinds of reactions. That you begin immediately to sit more, sit more straight. I see it happening. You pay little more attention. You react according to your tradition. Or because you have practiced, oh being aware, um, whatever it is you practice for years, thinking about a mantra, a, a phrase, repeating it, um, you know, all that, at that very mention of that word, all this surges up, forward, and you are caught in it. To me, to the speaker, all that is not meditation at all. It is a form of self-hypnosis, a form of worshipping, a projection of your own mind, conditioned as a Hindu or a Buddhist or as a Christian. And you can get caught up in that marvellous visions, seeing Christ, the Buddha, or your own gods and all the rest of it. But that's not meditation at all. You can sit in front of a picture everlastingly, and you'll never find anything beyond the picture. You can invent. You know, there is a story, and I am not given to stories, where a patriarch is sitting alone under a tree, and a disciple, a seeker, comes and sits in front of him, cross-legged, straight back, and all the rest of it. And presently, the patriarch looks at him and says, What are you doing, my friend? He says, I'm meditating, trying to reach the highest consciousness. And the patriarch says, Carry on. Presently, picks up the patriarch, picks up two pieces of stone and rubs it, rubs them, making a noise. So the disciple comes back and says, What are you doing, Master? He says, I'm rubbing these two stones to produce a mirror, but polishing perhaps mirror will come out of it. 
And the disciple laughs and says, Master, you can do this for the next 10,000 years, you will never produce a mirror out of that. So the patriarch says, My friend, you can sit like that for the next million years, and that's what you're all doing. So meditation is something entirely different. If you would follow, go into it, you have naturally abandoned all your concepts of meditation, all your formulas, your practices, your disciplines, your concentrations. Because we are entering into a field that you, where you have, it is something totally new. Your practices, your visions, your disciplines are all the result of accumulated activity and therefore leading essentially to deeper inertia. So what we are concerned is, how is a mind that is aware of this inertia and aware how it has come about, what is it to do? Can it do anything? Knowing that any activity on its part is still the result of this inertia which is consciousness, how is that mind to become so, to be so totally still and yet completely awake? You, you understand? You understand the, you understand the question? <coughs> that is, one sees deeply within oneself this field of inertia, this quantum. And one realizes that any activity on the part of the brain or any, any activity, any movement in any direction is still within the field of consciousness and therefore imitative, accumulative, and therefore strengthens the inertia. Right? Not to strengthen that inertia, you cannot practice. You cannot say, I will not be inert, which is part again, the same old game. But one sees what is necessary. A total inaction which becomes action in silence. How is this? Now, how? I mean, when I use the word how, forgive me, it is not a method, a way of system. I'm asking, is it possible for the mind, for the brain also, to be 
totally awake and totally stay. Because the brain is the result of time, with, with all its accumulated knowledge, information, reactions, its conditioning, the very cells are of it. You are following all this? And it will respond much more quickly than you have, can control it, because it has been trained for centuries to react. So the brain cells have to be quiet for the total mind to be quiet. So you see the difficulty of the problem. Not just say, I will force myself, control my thoughts. It becomes too silly, too immature, it has no meaning. So, one sees any movement in any direction, at any level of consciousness, conscious or unconscious, only strengthens this quantum, this field, this area of inertia. So the mind has to be totally still, so as the, and also the brain. And it's only when, when there is totality of silence, there is action which is not of inertia. Right? But if you say, I must make my mind silent, and practice, do all kinds of tricks and take drugs and all kinds of things, then you are still playing within the field of that inertia. Only when the mind, including the brain, including the body naturally, is totally still, is there an action which is not of the inert? Obviously, because silence is outside the field of consciousness, and that silence has not been put together by consciousness, by thought, by desire, by motive, by resistance, by practice, by various kinds of tricks that one plays. You are following all? So that silence is something entirely different. And that silence can only come about when the brain, the mind realizes that any movement within it is strengthening inertia. So Meditation, which is not traditional, which has nothing whatsoever to do with all that nonsense, and I call it nonsense because it is any grown-up man can see this obvious fact. 
what is involved in ordinary, traditional, accepted meditation, which is hypnosis practice, doing the habit over and over and over again, something, mind becomes dull, stupid, ugly. So we are not talking of that. We are talking of a meditation at a, something entirely different. And in that meditation there is great fun. There is tremendous joy, new state altogether. And that can come about, not sought. You can't seek it. You can't pursue it. You can't question, say, what do you mean by that silence? How am I to get it? it has no meaning, all those questions. So, meditation then is the understanding or being aware of the total process of consciousness and not doing a thing about which is dying on the instant to the past. 